Hi, folks. John here, welcoming you to UnleashCast for one last time. I'm moving on, but UnleashCast will go on strong, I'm sure. For this last conversation, I talked to Jared Garalnik. He's SVP of product at GoOne. GoOne's mission is to unlock positive potential through a love for learning. And one way that they can do this in the modern age is, of course, through AI. And that's what me and Jared talk about. We talked about AI a lot, but there are so many different ways we can apply this technology and this subject and so many different implications for everything that we do that it definitely is worth several more conversations. This one, we talk about whether it's going to take everyone's jobs, whether we'll look back in a few years' time and think, why did we do it any other way? And plenty more besides. It was a great conversation with Jared. He's a really interesting guy. He called in from his office in Silicon Valley, especially to talk to us about this. So I thank him very much for his time. But for one last time, before the next chapter of Unleashcast starts, please enjoy my conversation with Go One's Jared Goralnik. We're here to talk about the ever-changing world of AI, the way it kind of links in with skills. Uh, we talk about it a lot, but it's such a fast-changing, expanding universe, uh, diversifying an incredible amount of potential across the whole technology space. So this is kind of where I'd like to start. Jared, what do you, from your point of view, what role can artificial intelligence systems play when it comes to learning content? There's an incredible number of roles that AI can play in learning and that it already has. Um, and I'll first by just saying there's kind of AI broadly of what's brought us up to maybe, you know, December of this past year, at least widely speaking. And then there's the generative AI that is all the rage today. So AI broadly are things like, you know, logic systems, um, also known as expert systems, and then there's machine learning. And those are the types of things we've been using for years for workflow automation, for things like discovery of content, things like personalization of learners. And those will continue to play a role in, in all of our work. But of course, what is probably the reason we're speaking Speaking today is generative AI, AI has really, really changed things. So I like to think of it as kind of there's there's content authors, um, there's learners, and there's L&D teams, and each of them can benefit tremendously, um, if not today, then in the coming years, um, as tools become more available. So for example, content authors, you know, they have tons of productivity gains um, from things like the initial outlining, the brainstorming, um, auto-generating assessments, um, moving content that's created in one form format um, and putting it into another format or even allowing different pieces of their content to be pulled um, to allow a personal path, um, which actually brings me to, to learners, uh, which is really where the, the biggest opportunity is not just for learning in an L&D setting, but learning broadly in education or even just for hobbyists. And that is that you know learning can truly be personalized to the areas uh, where one really needs to to, to focus. Um, so you can, you know, you can start off with assessments, they can be dynamic throughout an entire course. Um, one can connect these things to competency lists that are either in an individual organization, or they can be, you know, just my own personal goal, I want to become a senior product manager, I want to become a principal product manager, you can have those things pulled from the web, um, and essentially build these dynamic pathways. And then of course, L&D teams get to use both of those things, they get to use the authoring tools, the assessments, and they get to build really dynamic learning pathways. And so really throughout the process, whether it be assessment, finding material, and the content consumption and how that becomes dynamic, or even on the other hand, on the other side of it, which is just how do you utilize these tools to practice retention, to really test yourself over time, not just during the term, the, the course itself. You know, generative AI can really shorten the time to value and make the whole process feel more relevant and personal. One question that we have to ask, I think, and I've spoken to a couple of people this week with different 
perspectives on it, in fact, uh, is about whether AI will kind of automation in the workplace will um, make current jobs obsolete. Uh, I spoke to a guy who'd gone from being a barista to becoming a coder and had really taken this very sharp pivot in his career um, and was using a lot of uh, kind of AI assisted tools. But he his perspective was that he didn't think it would take away jobs because you still need it's, it's more of an assistant type role that the ai is going to play what's your perspective on this because everyone comes it everyone comes at it from different angles well i mean this isn't the first time we've had this conversation every you know in the last century or so we've had this every 20 years in the last set of um you know over over time it might have been a 50 or 100 year conversation when it comes to you know factories telephones now it's software internet mobile there's all these different things that are that are kind of changing the landscape of how we do our job how we use technology and on the other side of all of those things humans have always rebounded by doing ultimately more meaningful work cost of living has or excuse me the quality of living has ultimately grown and we look today at one of the strongest uh we could debate this but one of the strongest job markets generally speaking obviously in certain fields there's there's impact right now um now the question is will will this be different and in many ways i, I think it won't be um this is in some ways a new generation of say the internet and you can't do work today without knowing how to search the web or use SaaS software. And soon utilizing AI tools, whether they be as co-pilots or other things, is gonna be expected of all of us. Um, now the jury is out really on how quickly kind of each function or profession will require changes and what rebalancing will be required with skills. But I don't think that's new to AI. I think you know uh, all the data we've been talking about when we think of the digital skills economy, where people say how, you know, in five years, you know, companies, especially large companies, half their workforce isn't going to have the necessary skills. That was true before AI. And now the what's changing is just that there's going to be different skills that are required. And in some cases, they're going to be different functions. So I think that we're going to get to another side of the rebalancing, you know, on the other side of the sort of productivity gains and, and changes with this technology. I do believe our work will, will be more meaningful when we get there. Um, it's going to allow us to really supplement what we're doing today with a lot of these superhuman abilities to generate the things that simply took a lot of time and effort before. And we will need to lean into certain areas, like we're going to become more editors than traditional creators um, in that concept of co-pilot. So again, that I think that can lead to more meaningful work. Um, so all of these curves, I think, bring us to a better place. It's just a question of how long it takes before we get from some of the initial excitement, then through the initial pain, and then through to the other side where you know we find ourselves in a better position. Yeah. I agree, and I hope so. Do you think it's going to? Do you think AI can widen skill sets? It can close skills gaps, do you, or do you think it's going to create a bigger differential between, I guess, access to uh, AI for one? What do you think? Well, I, I think initially, unfortunately, access to any type of new technology um, often follows some traditional lines. Like we see this in education today with, you know, some institutions are restricting AI usage because of fear and, and some are encouraging it because of their applicability in the job world. Um, and some of that is along the lines of things like private schools versus public schools or or certain certain countries or certain economic levels. So like there end up being things they're not purely along, you know, economic lines, but um, 
the access, whether it be based on the tools you have access to or the constraints in your work or your school, are starting to create some initial divide. But I think that, again, that's true with any kind of new adoption of things. Um, this is one of the more accessible technologies compared to some other things that do have pretty high barriers to entry in terms of cost or education. What makes generative AI in particular valuable is, is that it is conversational. You know, this concept of prompt engineering, sometimes people almost laughed about it, but like you're just trying to figure out how do you manage someone? How do you interact with someone? How do you probe in the right ways? And that's not something that you know, requires a, a strong education per se, but it does mean that sometimes the people that are more connected to what the markets are, are after might access it first. So my short answer or my summary is, is that I think initially um, there are going to be access challenges as there always are, but ultimately it's going to be a reasonably level, level playing field. I guess I'll answer it in one other way, which is just that anytime you're utilizing these types of systems, you always do have to be careful about the bias that is introduced into the system itself. Um, so, you know, I know you're in the HR space broadly. I was in the hiring space for a long time prior. And of course, when it comes to, you know, recommending certain candidates or helping people find certain candidates, things like that, you have to be extremely careful about what are the bias you introduce into machine learning so that it doesn't just select for tall white men, for example, if you were to use some of the the traditional biases that that often are in leadership positions. And we have to be very careful. The more we rely on AI, we have to understand some of the elements of how these systems work and create appropriate constraints. But I think that as one becomes aware of those biases, they can actually combat them in a way that humans, you know, it's much more challenging for us to address a lot of, for example, our implicit bias. So my last question is around what you can do uh, to integrate it into your current systems. But actually, there's another question here as well, which I think is beyond kind of integrating this technology into your current systems, creating a culture that supports AI-driven learning is a whole extra task, I think, to, to, to really, from top to bottom and back up again, create a culture which understands it, accepts it, and leverages it to the degree which it deserves, really. So... It's a rather big uh, ask to get you to solve this one in one question, but what are your thoughts there? Well, let me start on the culture side, and then we can come back to the system side. So I'm not sure that there's really a dichotomy about like whether you can have a culture of AI-driven learning. Now, you could say, how do we teach people to use AI, which is not specific to learning. It's more like, how do I use it to be in marketing? Or how do I use it to do SEO? Or how do I use it as an engineer? And there's lots of you know, the, everybody has to learn how to use AI. That's a separate problem from like, how do I use AI-driven learning tools itself? AI-driven learning tools are just going to be better. It, it, the idea is, is that things are going to become more personalized, whether it be to your schedule, whether it be to the learning format you want, whether it be sort of a sort of a choose your own adventure, uh, where, you know, after five minutes of something uh, on a particular topic, you can be evaluated and then go further in a direction where it's both of interest and of value to you. In other words, it's going to make learning better. Uh, it's going to make it better both in terms of the engagement and it's going to make it much better in terms of the outcome. We've all you know, heard of uh, Bloom's theory of you know how with a tutor, we can ultimately be two standard deviations smarter in terms of like, the studies that were, that were done in the 80s about how learning with a tutor could, could substantially improve the learning outcomes. And we're all going to be able to not just enjoy this experience more, but ultimately get much better outcomes that we can apply more directly to our jobs. So I think 
a culture of AI driven learning is more a matter of using much, much better tools and using them well. Uh, I, I, I think in five years, we're going to be questioning why would we ever do it another way? That's great to hear. And I completely uh, agree. I think we're going to get to a point where you just think, why would you have ever done it the previous way? Which I think, I guess, is how all these things progress, really, how we evolve. But yeah, in terms of the systems question, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say there. You know, there's there's two answers to any time you try to either automate or improve a process. And I mean, the classic answer has always been, you know, get your data in order, because if you don't have your data in order, you can't really build on top of it. Or try to get your understanding and your goals in order, because again, you're not going to be able to, you know, automating a poor process is not going to, to make it better. You're just going to make the same mistakes faster. Um, so that's generally how things have been. Now, what is new with generative AI, and particularly with large language models, is that it's a lot more flexible in terms of how it pulls in the data. So if you're looking to pull in your, your assets, for example, from all the documents in your network, and then use that to do knowledge management to quickly answer questions, whether it be for learning or for help desk, it's getting much, much easier. I mean, if you think about what is the basis behind the generative AI today, it's the internet, you know, whether it be things that were pulled from from Reddit or Twitter or lots of knowledge base articles or books or things. Some of those things are of all different qualities and they use essentially statistics to figure out what is has a higher degree of consensus or higher degree of, of probability of, of being accurate. Uh, of course, there's there's challenges there, which we could dig into. But fundamentally, this new wave of artificial intelligence makes it a lot easier to be applied to one's existing corpus. Um, that doesn't change how you build workflow tools. It doesn't change how um, you still have to figure out some of your objective functions, but it does make it easier to kind of get your house in order to get started. That's my final question, Jared. Fascinating stuff. There's so much more we could uh, say on this. Um, maybe we should check in. I say this to Ed when I talk to AI about, and I mean it, but uh, it would be fascinating to check in in, say, six months' time and see where things are at then, because, as, we, as I said, it's moving so, so quickly. Uh, but for today, uh, Jared, thank you so much for talking to our newscast. Thank you.